Uh, Luke chapter 23, verses 35 to 46. 32 to 46. 32 to 46, okay. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there held insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Real. Thank you, Mark. Ooh, I got caught on the leg. Um, so we are currently going through a preaching series called This Is Why. And uh, over the course of the past, uh, this is the fourth talk, isn't it? Past uh, three talks, we've been looking at Jesus's encounters with people throughout the gospel, seeing him love them and welcome them into his kingdom and transformed their lives. Uh, and it's a slightly different uh, format to these uh, sermons because we're going for a shorter uh, talk from the Bible followed by a testimony given by somebody in church about how Jesus is still working in people's lives today. Uh, so I'm about to hand over to the wonderful Miriam, who is a wonderful gift to us as a church family. Uh, rich uh, preacher, draws wonderful truths out of scripture and has lots of great stories to share. And then after that, uh, Emily is going to get up to tell us a story of how Jesus is still at work today. Uh, these people work really hard to serve us as a church, so why don't we give Miriam a big round of applause before she even starts. Let's just pray. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. So, Lord, I have nothing to bring apart from you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will set fire to what I've written, what you've given me to speak that, Lord, you will speak to people and that, as Anna said beforehand, that it will be like a firework going off because your word is powerful and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. In Jesus' name, amen. 
as Matt said, we've been looking at different people uh, who have a different encounter with Jesus. And these ones are not necessarily healing. It's a different aspect of, of how God meets them. I remember in my teens um, hearing of a story about a, um, a man who was drowning and then he was physically saved, but he was also spiritually saved in the moment before he was meant to drown. And you know, I'm ashamed to say my response was I was indignant because I don't think I understood what grace was all about. Because I thought, well, it's all very well for him. I've been, what about me? I'm working, you know, trying to obey Jesus, and he gets in at the last minute. But that's what God's grace is all about. And this story today is about grace from the beginning to the end. You know, Jesus was full of grace and truth, and even on the cross, that was still true. So we're looking at the man who's known as the thief on the cross. Uh, we know very little about him. Um, we know that he was a thief, or in, in one of the other Gospels, it yes, says he was a robber. In Luke's Gospel, it said he was a criminal. So I guess there were probably other things he'd done too. Um, he was presumably a Jew, and he would have been brought up knowing a lot of scripture off by heart. I wonder if he knew Psalm 24, verse 3 onwards, which says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or to vanity or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. If he knew this psalm, he would know that he felt very far short of this. He couldn't say he had clean hands and a pure heart. His idol had presumably been money or possessions or basically self. So he would have known the that according to this psalm, he had no right to receive blessing from God. And the psalm goes on to say in verse 7, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. He would have noticed the sign, this thief, above Jesus on the cross, which said, this is the king of the Jews. He would have seen Jesus' response to those who taunted him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He would have heard Jesus asking John, his disciple, to look after his mother. What care? and compassion with no thought of himself. He would have heard all that Jesus said from the cross because Jesus died before he did. Um, their bodies had to be taken down before the Sabbath day. And uh, to hurry that along, they used to break their legs because when, you're, when the legs were broken, they then fell and the breathing was much more difficult and they died more quickly. 
but they, they broke the, two, the legs of the two criminals, but when they came to Jesus, his legs, his, he had already died. So this criminal would have heard everything that Jesus had said on the cross. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. I wonder whether Jesus' kindness, even on the cross, was part of what led this man to repentance. You know, real conversion has to start with a conviction of sin that shows us our need of a savior. A lot of people say, oh, we belong to God's family, but until there's conviction of sin, we're not truly born again. In John 16, verse 8, it says that the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. And this is what we see happening here. Let's read verse 39 to 41 again. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. This criminal, this thief, this robber, recognized and took responsibility for his past actions. The other criminal didn't. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 8, uh, when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, it, he said, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. So this is what happened to the other criminal. He clung to his worthless idol of self, and possessions, money, whatever, and tragically, he missed the grace that he could have received from Jesus. How tragic. Is that our position today? But the thief we're thinking of today, in those words he said to his partner in crime, recognized his need of a savior, and that savior was Jesus Christ. Do you know, sometimes I think we have the wrong impression of those three men on those crosses. We see pictures of them, uh, and we don't realize the agony that went with them hanging there, and the agony of being able to even speak. I mean, if you, I've had a very nasty chest infection and flu these last few weeks, and it's been quite hard to breathe. And if I, if I take too deep a breath, I start coughing because of down here. If you think, when you're on a cross, you're having to breathe like this the whole time, even to say anything. So when um, this man says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me, it would have been something like this. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It wouldn't have been flowing easily as we speak. What audacity, what faith, what courage to say that to the king of kings. When he's been a robber, he's done everything that you could possibly think of against this person. What's Jesus' response? I tell you the truth. Today, 
you will be with me in paradise. I think they're some of the most beautiful words in scripture. What compassion, what kindness, what grace. Recently, we were sent a song by a friend in which with the words, your love rewrites my story. Jesus' love rewrote this man's story at the 11th hour. I don't know how long he lived after Jesus died. But how amazing. Jesus' love rewrote his story. We now have his story, which is so different from that of the other criminal. There was no time to undo all that he'd done. He couldn't, like Zacchaeus, go and pay back everybody the things that he'd robbed them of. There was no time to be baptized. There was just a repentant heart recognizing his need of a savior. Jesus' love rewrote his story. In that moment, he walked from darkness to light, from death to life, literally, for a few minutes before he had eternal life, from despair to joy, from condemnation to peace with God, from hopelessness to hope. How amazing is God's grace? Do you know this can be true for you today? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, if you think God can't forgive you as you've done some terrible things and his grace is, doesn't reach that far, it does. His grace is available. It's also available for our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors. It's a free gift and it transforms lives. This week, we had someone who called at the door uh, selling dusters and what have you for the home. And um, he, as he knocked on the door, he said, have you got a few minutes of, my t of your time? Can I take a few minutes of your time? I said, yes. And he told me he'd been in prison and he said, I'm not proud of what I've done. He told me what he'd done. And uh, I bought some dusters and what have you. And he said, some people won't speak to me because I've been in prison. He said, they don't believe they've ever done anything wrong. But he said, I think they've just not been caught. <laughs> so I, I just smiled. But I said, actually, I'm speaking this Sunday about the thief on the cross and that there is God's grace is available for you. I don't know whether he understood it, but he shook my hand, said, thanks, ma'am, and walked away. <laughs> but, you know, we have this wonderful story that we can give everybody. And uh, one of the ladies from Tuesdays Together uh, several years ago was very ill and she was in a, um, a care home in our village and I went to visit her. And I remember her saying to me, um, she asked me if she was good enough to go to heaven. I said, no, you're not. But I led her in a prayer of repentance and acceptance that what Jesus did on her behalf on the cross was good enough that night she died. So Jesus' love rewrote her story, just like the thief on the cross. He can rewrite your story today. We're now going to just hear a testimony from Emily. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, I am so excited and feel very honored to be able to share this story with you. So when I was about six months pregnant with my second child, some new neighbors moved in next door. 
they had children aged one and three. And because they were so close in age to our son, we became friends very quickly. I think both me and their mum were lonely, and you really need people nearby when you're in that stage of parenthood. It was a two-way friendship, but I'm going to focus now on how she met Jesus through us. In fact, she said to me recently that one year living next to you changed my life. Isn't that amazing? As Miriam shared, God's love rewrites our stories. And as this is a story about, and this is a story about how I and we as a church loved this family into the kingdom. God has rewritten their story and it, he did it through us. And he has done far more than I imagined he would do. So let me just share a brief outline of their story to provide the context. So her husband was not a British citizen, and having just returned to the UK, they needed to apply for a visa for him to join the family. He came on a six-month tourist visa initially, but then had to return home, leaving his two tiny children behind. They had no idea of the road ahead of them and how long it would take. In the end, they spent two and a half years apart. And I walked with them every step of the way. It was heartbreaking to think of their two tiny children being separated from their father. Since my children were the same age, I just had this compassion for them. When he finally came, they were four and six. So in that time, their burden became my burden because I loved them as myself. This wasn't a conscious choice how I read in the Bible. It just happened. I would have given an arm and a leg to have him here. This led to praying consistently for that visa to be granted. God shows his commitment to justice throughout scripture, and I called on this aspect of his character on behalf of the children who were without their dad. I guess we were reenacting re the parable of the persistent widow from Luke 18, which ends with, don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Whether two and a half years is quickly, who knows? But in that time, God did stuff. So we helped practically as well. We provided financial support and also galvanized others in the church to give financially to one of their visa applications. And as roadblocks got in the way and the solicitor was found to have made multiple mistakes, the road seemed endless. Possibly the biggest thing I did was to be strong for her when she was ready to give up. For example, when he was finally able to book his flight, it was cancelled the week before. I was compelled by the spirit. I literally rang her up and said, come over here now. <laughs> um, I, to I was compelled by the spirit to convince her not to wait for a rescheduled flight with the same airline, but to buy a new ticket with a different air carrier because his flight had been put back like a week or two. The country's borders had been closed for months due to lockdown. And since it was approaching autumn here, I didn't think we could risk the borders staying open for any length of time. I don't think my nerves could have coped with the weight, let alone theirs. <laughs> and it was proves, proven wise in time because that company never did fly out that autumn, but he came that week. Praise God. 
And that long road, those years, provided opportunities for the church to carry them. For example, Mandy, who was the children's worker at the time, sent their daughter an individual video message during lockdown. She did that for quite a number of children, but this really made a difference. Um, and she said that it helped her daughter realize that they now have a bigger family and lots of people actually wanted her dad to be here for her. That was really powerful. And as the wait got longer and longer, Jesus captures my friend's heart and gave her the space to find healing. She had always gone to church services, but she didn't have a relationship with Jesus or an understanding of the gospel. She thought God didn't love her anymore because of the choices she'd made. And since the culture she came from, um, for part of where she, where she was living for part of her life had poured shame on her. She also had no idea that following Jesus brings you into a family, and she experienced that firsthand as she got to know us and received help from City along the way. When they needed a new solicitor, it was someone in the church who recommended a trustworthy immigration solicitor, and results came quickly after that. Once her husband finally arrived, he received a warm welcome from all of you, as those who had been following my support of them celebrated his arrival with us. They joined a city group in our home and met various new people together, one of whom later gave them a car for free. How amazing. He joined the football city group, the men's football city group, and by the time we came back for in-person services, he seemed to know more people than she did, despite being quite a shy man. And recently, they've gone through the Freedom in Christ course material with another couple in the church. Meeting Philippe to discuss her decision to get baptised gave him an opportunity to ask his questions. And before long, we were planning not one baptism, but two. It was such an honour to baptise them last year. They were overwhelmed with the love they received on that day. I had prayed for him to be here in the same country as her, but God had bigger plans. Now they have a fresh start as a Christian couple. She said to me that she can't imagine how hard this recent season would have been as they heal from all that has gone on before if he hadn't shared her faith. But now having Jesus at the center of their marriage is helping them get through the mental health challenges she faces and they're able to teach their children about God. They've learned how to discover new things for themselves through being with us and they can pass that on to their children, encouraging them that it's okay to ask questions, which is something they'd lacked before. Jesus' love has rewritten their story. They are on a new trajectory, and it is so wonderful to see. I give such glory to God for them and for their story, and I am so privileged to be their friend. And it's really filled me with joy recently as I've been look, thinking about this, to think that I can be their friend forever now because Jesus has saved them. That is our gospel hope, isn't it? It's wonderful to see their family together, but it is just as wonderful to see how you, City Church, have loved them into the kingdom. Jesus promised to make us fishers of men, didn't he? But we are more like a crew in a fishing boat than lone anglers dotted along the cam. We do this as a team, and we as a church have loved this family into City Church, into Jesus' kingdom, and become their family too. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God.